Welcome to Swimming Here with Kevin Clark. I'm Kevin Clark. Yeah. Look at that. Summer Rich. Summer Richie. Amped. Uh, Charles Robinson is here. We're just going to do Gossip Palooza. Just go through a bunch of different NFL topics and uh, get some nuggets on them. Nugget Palooza. Let's ride. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, Charles Robinson, he gets a Sauce Gardner Award for slow internet connection. We answer his three times, and we have no idea what he's saying. We have to go, hey, think he may have slowed down on us. Internet crisis averted. You're in Chicago? Is that the problem? No, no, Houston. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. My, my well. tilting Houston background. <laughs> High quality. Um, that, that's what was taking up all the bandwidth, is that the beautiful, <laughs> realistic picture of Houston in the background. So, um, Let's start here. Uh, hard knocks. I think it's the most yeah. overrated thing. The distraction element in football, frankly, this time of year. Um, mm. And there were, and I was talking about this with Lucille a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I've never, and you know this, I, I've never seen a good team get distracted. I've seen bad teams get distracted. I remember Bart Scott years ago telling me like, you know, Bad teams are distracted by the fact they can't play football. Um, by the way, the Rex Ryan team made the AFC title game. Um, and I actually saw a study the other day saying that uh, teams actually relative, I think, to their their Vegas expectations, exceed expectations when they're on hard knocks. But here's the report. The report is that they're not going to show players being cut. And then the second thing that I'm trying to I'm trying to square this here uh, is that and obviously the first the first part encompasses the fact they want to be have less access. They don't want any attention on themselves. Right. Um, the second thing here is that I don't believe them at all, that they don't want attention on themselves. Uh, and that I saw even today, like the arrivals, like Michael Clemens has his shirt off. He's carrying a barbed right. baseball bat. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't believe that the jets actually uh, are that camera shy. Yeah. I mean, come on. This idea that they don't want attention is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Joe Douglas was literally calling his shot with Aaron Rodgers on a stage with Boomer Esiason <laughs> before the deal was done. Right. Like a totally regrettable moment. Didn't even have the deal in place and then had to sweat it out. You don't do things like that if you don't want attention. And I love Joe, by the way, 
I, I think Joe's, you know, great guy. I think he's a really good general manager. I think it's going to start really, you know, paying off for him this season. But um, yeah, this whole, oh, we're forced into it. And this is the worst thing ever. I don't, I don't even really buy that. You know, Aaron Rodgers um, talk about it being, you know, jammed down our throats, whatever, man. I mean, what have you been jamming down our throats for? <laughs> you jam stuff down our throats every week, one day a week, when you get a little time off. You're like, let me tell you what I think about all things in the world. They'll be fine with the attention. And you're right. I don't think good teams get distracted. There's a reason why the Cleveland Browns went through hard knocks, had arguably the worst clip in history with Hugh Jackson and and Todd Haley and Freddie Kitchens getting into it in a meeting and leaving it in because, you know, they apparently thought this was a good thing. This reflected (laughs) well. That's that's the kind of team that gets distracted by hard knocks. Maybe the only thing that I will agree with is when Sean McVay says you can't have authentic conversations. You know, you know, there's a camera there. You can't always say what you want to say because it's going to get recorded and picked up. Technically you can, because you decide what's on the cutting room floor, but I understand what, what he's saying. I'm sure there are things that happen in training camps that you don't want anybody, but the person you're speaking to, uh, to listen in expectations for the Jets this year? Because I keep going back and forth and Brewer was on the show a couple weeks ago saying that he thinks that the Jets are going to be, are going to get a, a higher level of engagement with Rodgers, which is why they, they made the deal. I, I actually think that part there's, I'm of two minds here. The first part is that the Jets, the reason I, I'm not going to kill the Jets, even if it doesn't work out is they had to upgrade a quarterback. Right. Right. So they went yeah. out and they got Aaron Rodgers. So like, it's not like they were like, it, this would be a different situation if, the Dolphins got Tua out of the building in favor of Aaron Rodgers. And you could say, oh, well, with the with the contracts. And all, no, 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 no. The Jets had nothing. The right. Jets had nothing at quarterback, and they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. On the other hand, he had some games last year where I thought, okay, maybe we're not going to see an MVP-level guy again. Let's swing back the pendulum. They don't need that in New York because they have an amazing defense and a fast, and, and, and a fast core and a bunch of young guys. So I... I, I, I don't know where this goes, Charles. Help me. Well, I, I mean, I think the expectations should be, I, I, I don't think they should be anything less than what AFC title game, kind of a yep. Super Bowl window. I mean, yep. that's, that's what they went and got Rodgers for, right? And, and I mean, I can tell you, I remember when the season ended for the Jets this year, I had a, I had a chance to talk to somebody in the front office. And this person literally said to me, we're a quarterback away. Like we, we just need the quarterback to turn the key on this entire thing. And we're going to be right there. And so I don't, uh, that's the expectation of the building. Maybe they don't want to say that publicly, but you know, they're shooting for a super bowl and they know they have to, because they don't know that this window with Aaron Rodgers is going to go more than one year. They want it to, they have no clue given, you know, how Rodgers conducts himself. You, you never know what that guy's going to decide, but if this is the Brett Favre acquisition and it goes down that road, I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, it's, it's a disaster. It'll be a failure. You can't have a guy come in, rile up your fan base, um, quote unquote, turn the key on your roster and then not uh, make a run at a Super Bowl. And to me, I think if I look at that team and I say, what separates success from failure, it's going to be that offensive line. I mean, you still have to protect Aaron. They have all these other pieces around you know, the running back depth's there. Brees Hall comes back healthy. The, the wide receivers are set. 
Um, defensively, look, they've gotten the deal done with Quinn Williams, so you get that out of the way. There's no awkwardness there. The defense is is young and taking a step forward. Everything is there, but that offensive line has betrayed them over and over and over again. So is is Makai Becton going to what is he going to do anything? Like what is he going to be a contributing piece? Is he going to be healthy? Um I, I just think tackle to tackle, that's where their problem lies, and that's really what they have to sort out. I think Rogers can be a good player for them, but um he's not gonna be a good player if he's gonna be getting hit. And that's what the offensive line has been in the last couple of years. All right. So I think that there's um this has been such a sad week for the running back market. And, and it's not. Oh, come on. We're going to. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I'm just going to make noises until <laughs> I stop being sad about it. I, I, I don't know what you do. And, and, and I saw Why do we have to people, do anything, Kevin? Why do we have to well, do anything? Uh, I saw some kind of Twitter hardos be like, oh, yeah, you're complaining about $10 million here. Well, oh, you're complaining because there's a bunch of guys who are who play positional who in another life would be you know making significantly less if they weren't playing a cornerback yeah. or pass rusher like it is I'm not gonna uh, feed it, that crowd it is the most unfair yeah thing in the world but it's the way the supply and demand works in the nfl and it's the way that these careers go and i think that once the rookie wage scale happened a lot of things made sense a lot of them didn't but if you are running back now and you have a lot of unpaid snaps in college and then you're on a minimum deal especially if you're picked after the first round for your first three years by the time you can actually get paid your value is a diminished by just normal supply and demand but b the fact that you just have a short shelf life it is cruel it is unusual um it is unique to that position uh but i don't think there's anything that can be done. I saw some people say, well, maybe the running back should have guaranteed money. Well, then some receiver will say, make me a running back for a day. And then, and then like, it would just be so gamified that, that I it would lose all meaning very, very quickly. Um, a team trying to re- reward a, a second year guy who can't re- re- renew uh, yet would be, would be, you know, made a running back just to guarantee his money. Like it's, it's, you, you can't really do that. Help me understand if there's anything that's going to change about this market or anything that can be done. Well, first off, if, if you are one of these self-relating weirdos out here going, well, geez, I'd love to make $10 million a yeah. year. Oh, shut up. Well, you don't, okay. you don't make 10 yeah, million yeah. because you're on Twitter. You're stop comparing your job and your life to an athlete, a professional athlete and their job. They're not applicable. Just let it go. Okay. You, you look like an asshole. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on this, but you do. And let's, let's just go ahead and move beyond that. Um, look, the, the way I look at this, number one, I, I don't know the NFL it, it's the market is liquid, right? Like it's always going to change, you know, the money's going to go where it has to go. And so I'm not sitting here crying and going, well, you know, Oh, the, the running back position is just so unfair. Well, you know, for a lot of years, guards weren't getting paid for a lot of years, defensive tackles weren't getting paid. Um, I, I know the, attrition level is different and as you said the unpaid snap numbers in college is it's it's different but um i i talked to an agent about this on the doorstep of uh the saquon barkley and and josh jacobs situation and he had it's an agent done a number of high level running back contracts he has running backs you know he's like gotta keep me honest here i still have running backs but i'm gonna tell you the truth he's like look the truth is 
we have seen quarterback money explode. And when you talk to general managers and head coaches, he said what they prioritize is maximizing quarterback. And they see the easiest path, the quickest path to fully maximizing quarterbacks through investment at the wide receiver position and offensive line, protect the quarterback, Mm -hmm. throw the ball, get chunk plays. Um, And they also look at the draft and they go, let's see, Kenneth Walker was a second round pick. Um, Brees Hall was a second round pick. Brian Robinson, you know, Damian Pierce, how many good running backs can you get once you get out of the first round? And they just see it as a, um, as you said, supply and demand is very plentiful. Now, if we're going to sit there, let's, I will focus that through the union, this idea of like what's fair. Okay. Cause that's the union's job to figure out what's fair for players. I think the only way you can really attack this, I think there are two avenues. You can either get position specific and say, mm-hmm. okay, we have um, a market inefficiency that's happening with this one position. Okay. So what we're going to do is in the next CBA, we want to carve out a niche for the running back position. Now you can't do this because players will all bitch and complain and they'll all say, well, what about my position? But you could say, look, running backs have to hit the market early. Okay. They have to hit the market um, within, you know, three years of being drafted, four years of being drafted max. So that means no fifth year options. That means um, no franchise tags can be applied to these guys because they have basically a window of, um, top value and getting paid is really going to happen right now. I mean, it happens while they're still on their rookie deals. So we have to figure out a way to extricate them from that position as quickly as possible. It's not going to work because players will all complain and they'll say it's not fair. The the other avenue is, and all the players will agree with this, get rid of fifth-year options on first-round deals, get rid of the franchise tag. That's it. You really want to dig in and accomplish a landscape-changing moment in the NFL that is not fully guaranteed contracts. It is doing away with the franchise tag and is doing away with fifth year options um, for first round picks. That will be the biggest change they can make because owners are never going to give up fully guaranteed contracts. I doubt they're going to give up franchise tags um, or the fifth year option. The union really should have gotten that in exchange for the 17th regular season game. That was the value piece that they missed out on. And if they're going to add an 18th regular season game in the next CBA, I think you have to go to the table and say, we are not talking about the 18th game unless getting rid of the franchise tag completely is on the table. And then as sort of a secondary issue, this, this fifth year option that would resolve all this, I think, because it puts these rookie running backs in a position where they're now hitting the market at, depending on when you come in. I mean, Joe Mixon came in when he's like 20, right? So Joe Mm -hmm. Mixon could have hit the market at 24. You know, some players are going to hit 24, 25. Um, Still not great. Still doesn't guarantee that teams are going to pour value into the running back position. Um, But at the very least, it gives them the opportunity to potentially head to a market where they can fish out one team that will pay them. I wish that there was a a way to adjust the contract after year one or year two. Almost like baseball. Baseball is different, obviously, because there's arbitration. Sure. But you wonder, you know, one thing that baseball players do is sign away their arbitration rights for, you know, guaranteed money. And then also a lot of times they'll just tack on an extra year, right, of of player control. So maybe it's something like a running back has a nice rookie year and you're able to, within reason, 
look at the contract after one year one or year two and you and you tack on an extra year of control you guarantee more money um but you're able to reward a guy who pops in the first two years i'm not talking about running back specific i'm just right. saying that that would also that would help that would help some of the quarterback uh disparity where you know teams basically if they have a, a guy in year four making four million dollars as a franchise quarterback of a huge team building advantage it would it would smooth some of that out i just think that being able to look at that kind of thing i remember russell wilson a decade ago talking about it like how how weird is it that russell wilson was making less than the long snapper the right. year he won the super bowl that's insane um i would i would open that up and you'd be able to at least reward guys in some way I think it would be intriguing if there was the NFL does have performance based pay sure. now. Okay. So it does exist. Um, but it doesn't really exist in particular for those first round picks, the guys, you know, or, or, um, it, it's, it's, it's not, um, fair and equitable for everybody, you know, whereas what you're describing, it would be across the board. We're really looking at kind of everybody's performance after year one or Hey, maybe even year two, I would, I, I think what would be interesting is, if you could strike a balance where the union and the owner sit there and they go, okay, let's give the player the option to trigger performance-based pay, some sort mm -hmm. of um, changing of what the funding or what the finances look like. But as you said, but we are now given an extra year of control. So the, the player then has to weigh that. Do I want, do I want the performance-based pay now or do I want to get to free agency a year earlier and it's, you know, that'd be a difficult decision for a player, you know, and I think it would depend on what position are you playing? What's the potential pay bump difference? Um, how do the economics of all of it work? I don't think it ever happens because owners, that's an element <laughs> we, of control. We know, we know, we know why, yeah. we know why. You're, you're giving it, you're, you, they're not going to give players anything without right. getting something in return. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the solution is. It's really hard. Um, I, I, the thing that, you know, the thing that always broke my heart about college football was before NIL, there'd be guys who we've heard of, superstars mm. who in in college, who would be the reason we tuned in on a Saturday night or the third best player on a national championship team, something like that. And, you know, yeah. 2001, 94, whatever. And they would go to camp and either get injured or they'd get lost in a numbers game as a fourth round pick stash, you know, play one season and then somehow they leave the game of football at which they basically reach the pinnacle and they don't have enough money to put down a down payment on a house. Yeah. Right. Happens all the time. Happens all yeah. the time. Yep. And th with the pros, it, you see some of these running back career totals guys we were talking about for years and guys who were the focal point of like playoff games and they leave the sport with six and seven million dollars. Guys who played in this era, like yeah. that, to me, needs some solving. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. But we can't have that. And then if the guy was a cornerback, he would have made fifty-five million dollars. That is just not. That's just not something. A, a system that I feel is is okay. Fair. But Fred Van Vliet is going to make more money on his next Houston Rockets contract than JJ Watt made in his entire career with the city of Houston. Okay. I mean, like, I, I don't, it's, it's, it sucks. I, I agree with you. It does suck. And it, and it, and I've seen, and this is true. When you, when you and I go to the Super Bowl, 
and we sit on radio row and we see um, ex athletes coming through doing car washes. I see a lot of ex running backs, guys yeah. that are, I don't want to say broke, but clearly they're, they're, you know, they're scraping for an opportunity. You know, they're trying to, to whether it's a media opportunity or hawking some kind of a product or whatever. I have noticed that in the past. And I've seen, you know, some guys come through where I thought, man, these, I thought this guy, you know, made a ton of money when I go back and I, you know, open up spot track and I go, let me look at career earnings. Whoa, this is way different than what I, in my mind, I thought this guy was making it. it you're right. It's not, um, it sucks to see focal pieces of important teams um, who take a lot of punishment, then come out of the game, um, maybe not fairly compensated the mm-hmm. way other players on the team are. But I, I don't know how to resolve that. I mean, the market's the right. market. And if and if there are a ton of running backs available coming out of the draft and, and you can get them and you can rotate them in and the games, as this agent was saying, the game is shifting more toward the quarterback maximizers and they don't see running backs as being those guys. I think either running backs have to now adjust how they're coming into the league where it's okay. I don't necessarily want to be a running back. I want to be like a Debo Samuel. I want to right. be the, the wide back. Um, you By know, the way, Debo did not want to be a Debo Samuel. He did not either. <laughs> That's the funny thing is that even the guys who can do that, they, they, rush for 300 yards in one season. And then they're like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I got killed doing that. It's the NFL changes when the layers below it change, right? So college changes, high school, high school changes, the feeder tube changes the NFL. Okay. There's a reason why we hear all these scouts complaining, general managers complaining about offensive line. Well, every time I evaluate guys, they never put their hand down anymore. It's ridiculous. I don't know how to evaluate offensive line anymore. It's because the feeder system changed. The feeder system has to change in terms of how it uses running backs. And then I think the NFL ultimately would, would have to change in turn. But I, I don't know. You tell me. You're, you, let me put it this way. Between the two of us, you're the smart one. You tell me how this changes. The only thing I can think of is you've mentioned the performance thing is really loading that up and saying, okay, if you make first team all pro, you get a million bucks. Something like that, where it just makes it makes more sense. And I don't know. I, we'd have to go through it. We'd have to have Jason Fitzgerald on, or Joel Corey, or one of these fellows who's who's looked a lot of contracts. But I think there's ways. I think there's ways to do it where you don't need. I'm not saying that Philip. Everyone was bringing up Philip Lindsay this week. I don't think Philip Lindsay. I don't think you should get a check from Roger Goodell for sixty million dollars. I don't think that. But I do think a couple of cash payments of of a million dollars would go a long way for some of these guys. And these right. guys don't have to. No one's saying that they they have to live on, uh, you know, in in the biggest house in Miami, Florida, or the biggest house in uh, Calabasas. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the money for pro athletes doesn't go nearly as far as you think, even again, not to argue with the Twitter guys, but like even the guys who are, well, maybe they should have saved their money. Well, guess how much goes to agents? Guess how much goes to lawyers? Guess how much goes to like, guess how much is a training training cut every single earnable dollar. This, yes. and this is absolutely true. Cut it in half for an yes. athlete. Okay. Just so if you, Hey, he got $10 million. No, five, he got five. Yep. Okay. And that's, you know, that doesn't include everything now he has to pay after taxes, agent fees, you know, as you said, you know, the, the million different things that you have to get through just to finally actually see the money deposited in your bank. It's and, and people people are going to say, well, five million is plenty. And I get that. I understand what you know, how it's viewed. There's never going to be a lot of sympathy for 
um, athletes because of the fact that you have so many, so much of middle America is like, they just see the contract figure and they're like, well, they're lucky and I'm not. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, let's let's move on actual football here. Um, is Bill Belichick actually on the hot seat? Tom Curran says he is. I believe it. You know, I, be- like I, I believe that too. I believe I, that too. I believe Tom. And I'll, and I'll say this. I so I was at the owners' meetings two years ago. Um, it was coming out of their first um, the first bump. You know, I think the first yeah. post. You know, not having Tom Brady bump. And I remember standing in the courtyard area, and Robert Kraft came out, and you know, all the Patriots beat writers were there. And I started to listen to Robert, and he was kind of hemming and hawing about Phil. And I'm like, wow, we got here fast. I'm like, he's already kind of like, hey, this organization's about success and you know, there are always expectations, all these things. And, you know, I, right then I was like, I don't know how real this is. When I think it became real, though, was I think Robert looked back in the rearview mirror of a massive free agent class that they signed, spent a ton of money that was just horribly spent, did not go well. And then I think the Matt Patricia decision. I think, mm-hmm. I think there was, it was a, like a vanity project trying to turn Matt Patricia into an offensive coordinator. I think... Robert Kraft thought that was very damaging to the organization. It was very damaging to Mac Jones, who Robert Kraft likes and believes in. And I think that put, you know, Bill into a position where Robert Kraft has to go, okay, well, how, how much all these titles is great. It's going to be Patriot forever. He'll always be the defining coach of this era. But Tom Landry was fired. You know, Mm -hmm. like it does happen. There are coaches who define eras of football. And then at some point, uh, an owner's got to move on from them. And, you know, look, it's a results-oriented business. And Bill has cut plenty of players over his lifespan that were not producing results. And, yeah, I believe he is on the hot seat. I think if if they have a a season that looks like last year, I think there's going to be real consideration with Robert. I I don't think he gets fired personally. I don't think he gets fired after 2023. But I think if 2023 is a mirror of 2022, I think Robert Kraft and and Bill Belichick end up having a conversation where Robert's like, hey, this, this is it. Like 2024, it's either turn around or we're going to have to try something different. Fascinating. And then would Belichick even want to do that? You know, like, would he even want to do a prove it year for a franchise that he took so far? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, like, no, I, I know don't it's... think he would. I don't. I think, I think... I still think for years and years, there was always this rumor 
that Bill was structuring his coaching staff contracts to sort of align with his. So if he ever wanted to leave a bunch of coaches that he liked their expiring contracts, he would leave and, and he'd have the ability then to just take these guys with him. Right. And it was always the giants. He's going to go to the giants. He's going to, he's going to finish his career as the giants head coach. And he's going to steal a bunch of Patriots staffers. And I don't know if that was real, but it sounds like it could have been. <laughs> and so I, I think if he felt spited and he had an opportunity somewhere else in the NFL, I, I would be shocked if Bill would not, you know, take, take that opportunity. I don't think he would want to end on a sour note and, um, I could see another NFL franchise going, Hey, we could do a lot worse than Bill Belichick. We'll throw the money at him, give him the keys to the organization. We'll do the Mike Holmgren deal when Seattle first brought him in and just turn over everything to him. The basically the setup that, that he had in his best days in New England. So not the, not the Mike Holmgren Cleveland deal. No, <laughs> not the, the, uh, you know, he's, he's, Bill's going to necessitate, you know, basically running the organization, running the team being, you know, and not probably working for an owner that's going to be um, in the media a lot either. So, but I, I don't, I could be completely wrong on this. I just, I think if he felt forced out of the Patriots, I, I think he would go somewhere else just to stick it to him. Hmm. Uh, speaking of owners, um, Josh Harris is going to take over Thursday. Officially, they're going to vote in Minneapolis, something like that. Yep. And I, I, I don't know if anyone really gets that the honeymoon is going to last. However long you think it's going to last, it's going to last longer in Washington because he, all he has to do is not be Dan Snyder. Right. And there's all this talk about what he's going to bring in the process because he did it obviously in Philadelphia to, to Washington. Um, whether or not, I mean, remember Ron Rivera, the last time he got fired was because a new really rich guy came in and said, you're not part of, of what I want to do, which was more analytics based, um, different people. I mean, Tepper's fired to hell of a lot of people since then, but you know, I think Ron Rivera has seen this movie before. There's not a long-term option, a quarterback, even if Sam Howell is good. He's, I don't think that an owner is going to be sold on Sam Howell unless he, you know, does puts up rock party numbers for the first two months of the season. Um, expectations for the commanders are what in the short term? Um, I, I don't think they have to be, I don't, I don't think they're particularly high amongst the fan base because they just want change right now. Right. That's the expectation right. is change. They want not Snyder, not Snyder. Exactly. And the fact I, that this is, I, this is going to happen before training camp opens is symbolically very huge because you yeah, don't even have any yeah. sort of like, Oh, well, we don't want to go to the first 10 days because Snyder might show up kind of thing. I, I, I literally had a, a really highly placed executive. I was doing the story on, the Saudi wealth fund and like, you know, could it ever crack the NFL, all this stuff. And I had a really highly placed exact go. Well, you know, I, I don't want to say never, but if Washington fans had their choice of the Saudis or Snyder, they would really take the Saudis. Like that is kind of what this is like, you know, and like, what should the expectations be? I I'm I think the David Tepper model could have been okay, but you know David Tepper is uh, he was the one who kind of chopped it up. Mm -hmm. I think if Harris came in, he followed the David Tepper model, which was the first come in and go, all right, let's fix the business side. Let's find out what was. It's like when Nixon left the White House, you have to come right. in and 
Gerald Ford had to figure out, are there any other operations going on here that, that nobody knew about? Let me listen to the tapes. <laughs> Let me figure out what I need to clean up first. So go in from a business standpoint, figure out um, that side of, of the building first, number one. I think number two, don't automatically inject yourself in into the football decisions. Yes. Find people you can delegate. Don't be the day-to-day guy that Dan Snyder was when he was allowed to be the day-to-day guy. Find smart football people you trust and then trust them. Do, um, I would say, do the Paul Allen model in Seattle. You know, find a good general manager and a head coach that have some dynamic tension between them, but really are working for each other. Ask them at the end of the year what went right, what went wrong, and how you're going to fix it. So at least in the immediacy, I think that's what you got to do. I think another thing they've got to do is get your hands on every single investigation whether it's league, congressional, you know, um, whether it's, you know, state, every investigation in the organization with, from the culture, the business, all these different things, clean it up, get in there, figure out what needs to be clean and make sure you take care of that, especially the workplace culture stuff. Okay. Um, actually listen to what an investigator says this time, rather than just trying to sweep it out as quickly as possible. And then finally the stadium, like, look, FedEx, I think the lease expires after 2026, right? It's it's rough now. They're in a, they're in a spot. I don't know if they can find the the place where they're going to build a stadium, get it built, work out all the incentives and and what you have to do on a on a local uh, government level to to get this rolling. But right now, DC, Maryland, Virginia, they're all finally lining up after backing away last summer because of Snyder. They didn't want to be involved in any of this, so it scuttled everything. They have to reignite that. They have to figure out, let's get the plot of land for this stadium. And it's going to be more than just a stadium. It's going to be the typical, it's, it's going to be the hub of commerce and football and all these different things and, and start moving that um, forward as quickly as possible. So a lot of work to do. That's not even football work. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, that fan base is waiting for anything. And I was listening to an interview with Bill Parcells be a year ago and he was talking about playing at rfk and uh, during the joe gibbs era when a bunch of my family members were season ticket holders and he was like oh you you remember how loud it was to the interviewer and i was like what like was that was was there a planet where like that was a where washington was like a a hotbed of football fandom and i know it existed because again i have a bunch of family members i've seen tapes but like they talk about it like it was a crown jewel franchise. Like we talk about the Eagles now or the Patriots where it was just like, you would go into Washington on a Monday night and it would, it would feel like the pinnacle of football. And I don't remember that. I remember like, you know, it's a little bit like the jets, how many false starts there were before everybody realized that Snyder was a, was a clown. How many false starts were, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, This is our year. This is our year. And then you watch it and then it wouldn't be. But I just feel like if you give them anything, if they win eight games this year without Snyder, that town is going to come alive. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I think eight games. You know, eight and nine's not pretty in in most cities. But let's look at Detroit, right? Let's look at Detroit last year. Detroit yep. was starved, right? They just wanted anything, right? And and not making the playoffs was still the greatest. I, I grew up in Michigan. Okay, I talked to my family, and they're all just so excited that it finally seems to be going in the right direction, that they have something to buy into, 
right? That's, that's really what they want. They want hope. We want to be able to actually tangibly buy into hope. And look, Dan Campbell, we can say whatever we want about, you know, um, <laughs> him as a leader and a rah-rah guy and all these, but he hasn't accomplished anything in Detroit yet. He hasn't, no. you know, and, and yet they're the sexy NFC team this year. You know, mm-hmm. there are people actually in Vegas betting on them to be in the NFC championship, to be the, the, you know, the Super Bowl team from the NFC, which is it's wild to me. But I think it shows how starved, in particular, people in Michigan were just to buy into hope in the right direction. I think it's the same thing with Washington. I think if they had a season like Detroit did last year, where they start, they did not start well. You're like, oh my god, this is this guy's getting fired at the end of the season. But they finished strong. You know, they beat a division rival at the end, and all of a sudden, I think you would see, yeah, that fan base it would be similar to the Detroits, the Clevelands of the world. Mm-hmm. There's only so many cities that are this starved, but I would put them in the same boat as uh, like a Detroit and a Cleveland where they just want the real deal in front of their face. They'll buy into it and then they'll be patient. And they're into anything. I remember going to a Capitals playoff game like maybe a decade ago and I was like, this place is fucking loud. Yeah. Like, they, these, like th- that's a town, it's a sports town that you have to give them something, but once they're there, they're loud, they're engaged, all that stuff. Um, speaking of all of this, is John Gruden going to take everybody down with him? That's his intent. Like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, okay, so when all the, the latest stuff out, <laughs> Seth Wickersham and, and Don Vanatta basically going, let's talk about who could have leaked these emails and let's, let's you know, curl John Gruden back into this conversation about Dan Snyder and how the ripple effects work and all these things. So, you know, I'm talking to um, a league source who's very tight with John, very tight with Bruce Allen, like, you know, tight with Roger, kind of in the middle, all this stuff. And he's just like straight up was like, John got money. He doesn't care. Like he's not, there's no settlement check. Like if, if the, the state Supreme Court in Nevada shoots the NFL down, says this isn't going to arbitration, you're going to, you know, it's, it's moving process. It's moving forward in the legal process. It's going into a courtroom. There's going to be discovery. Goodell's going to be in the witness box. Like everybody's Dan Snyder, all these people are going in. Um, this guy was like, they're not cutting a check. Jeff Pash and Roger Goodell aren't getting in a room with John and going, all right, man, how, what's the number? Give us the number. And it, like, he's, he's just like, he's out for blood. Like he, he, this is so personal with him. And I'm sitting here saying, well, I'm here for the theater. Cause I, I think, look, John got what he deserved. Those emails were what they were. Um, you pay a price. Okay. And he paid it. But I also would like to see, I don't know, it's like snakes on a plane. I want to see them all together. I want to see what happens, you know? I want to see it go into a courtroom and, and see some some dirty laundry aired, and that's clearly what Gruden has in mind. Woo. Um, all right, some quick ones for you. Sleeper team that people in the league are talking about that we should be talking about, about more in the media. I don't think it's necessarily a sleeper team, but I, I don't think anybody's talking about them. Is I don't think the Rams are dead. I don't think they're done, okay? Like, I think... I think that people know how piss poor the season was last year. They know that Stafford was not healthy, had an elbow problem, even when he was on the field. Um, But I think they know that the talent is still there. They still have cornerstone pieces um, to be a better team than, than maybe what people think. I don't, I don't like, Mm. I would say like the Rams actually may have a shot at making the playoffs this year. And I think most people would just write that off and think that's utterly ridiculous given what happened. Um, you know, over the course of last year and, and the off season, I don't think they're dead yet. So 
I guess the Rams. Not, I mean, it's not like a super sexy pick, but no, no, um, it, it definitely flies in the face of conventional wisdom, particularly because that defense just right. does not have a lot of people that the common fan has heard of. Let's let's leave it at that. True, but remember, Detroit was right on the doorstep of the playoffs in the yep. NFC, and they had the worst defense in the NFL. So, awful, <laughs> awful defense. Doesn't take. They, doesn't, they fired some can, folks. If you can score, if you can score in the NFC, you can get. And, and remember, it hasn't changed in terms of the quarterbacks. All the good quarterbacks are in the in the AFC. I mean, most of them. So, all right, we're uh, putting together a camp tour. I don't think we're going to overlap because you start west and I start east. But camp, you are most excited to see for any reason, whether that's a position battle whether it's expectations you just want to see a player you want to see a coach in somewhere the camp you're most looking forward to um i i want to see denver okay and mm. and i because i want to see like I, I i just have to see if this was all in Samuel hackett problem okay because it was <laughs> i i just have to know okay and i and i i the idea like sean there's a lot of palace intrigue in denver okay because i i think there the the there's still a marriage between Sean Payton and the front office there that could still break up after the 2023 season. There could still be changes. So it's sort of like, can they work together? Will they, you know, they're they're learning to be friends and work together now. And so it's sort of like from a personnel standpoint, is Sean gonna work well with them? Let's see what Russell Wilson looks like. Um, you know, there, there, a lot of the talent that was there last year is still there this year. To me, what was interesting was as soon as Nathaniel Hackett was out of the fold, well, it wasn't as soon, but I mean, I mean, we're talking about like going to the combine or whatever. And then I, then I heard like everything. I was like, he was just completely over his head and he was panicking and he, he just, he wanted at the end, he just wanted out. Like he felt like, you know, his kids were getting bullied at school and mm-hmm. he, and he, all he heard. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like this was dark. And, and I was like, when did it begin? They're like the first week against Seattle. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this was like the worst setup. We'll see, right? I mean, we'll see. Like Sean's, he, Russ isn't going anywhere. He's got to make no. Russ work. So I want to see if he can make that contract that is is sitting on top of that franchise with Russell Wilson actually make it good. Yeah, I mean, my feeling is that they need to make it work in the short term, but Sean Payton is going to win the power struggle. And so okay. that can only, yeah. that can only help because he can say, all right, Russell, either do what I want you to do from an offensive standpoint, from a buy-in standpoint, from, from whatever it is, a personality standpoint, do this, or you're going to be out of here, or you're going to be on the bench or you're going to lose, you know, the ultimate dignity is just like randomly being replaced by whoever the backup is in week 14. Like that can happen. Okay. Um, that's that's the, the the implied threat at all times. So I don't I think I think if anything's gonna happen, first of all, by the way, Russell Wilson should be happy. Sean Payton is an awesome coach. Yeah, I he's agree. an awesome coach. If if Russell Wilson decides he wants to be a different version of Russell Wilson than Sean Payton wants him to be, that's on him. He can go do it in Tampa next year. Yeah, no, I mean it's I, there's there's a real possibility that Three months from now, Denver Broncos are in a passionate love affair with with Russell Wilson. That the fans love him now. The let's ride stuff is all great. I mean, that, that absolutely can happen. Um, look at Jared Goff. Honestly, I mean, when Jared Goff went to Detroit, it was just like a throw in. You know, ah, when are we going to get him out of here? 
then by the end of the season, they're like, maybe we should extend this guy. Like Terry, like he's actually got something. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for, for fans to turn around quickly. And, you know, I think there's a chance that Russell Wilson, I mean, I'm not ruling out Russell Wilson having a banner season this year. Right. He could have an unbelievable season this year. I mean, he could play at a pro bowl, maybe fringe all pro level. I mean, we don't, Sean's that good. They have the talent. They were an insane number of injuries last year. Um, so it's the Broncos are a team that I think, you know, could, if you said, Hey, season ends and they're, you know, 13 and four, I'd be like, not out of the realm of possibility, but it could change like that. And Nathaniel Hackett, that experience could have been that bad. And Sean Payton coming in is so universally opposite in terms of his ability to coach. It could, it could turn around that quickly. I don't think anyone, I, I think we're probably sleeping on how bad Hackett was versus how good Peyton is. Like, I just think that that's, there's a huge swing, a huge swing that I, I, I would not be surprised. It, it, it's unfortunate the AFC is so stacked that they could still have a good season and look much improved and still make, miss the playoffs. Anyway, Charles Robinson, I'll hopefully see you on the road somewhere in the Midwest of the United States or the Southern United States, somewhere at some Panera that we'll, I'll be going to to get, get free Wi-Fi. Uh, see you later this year, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.